face so, out. Okay, you know, uh, you know, in drama, you see rubber chicken. What was rubber chicken again? So you go like one, two, three, four, five, six, oh, seven, yeah, eight. Yeah. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven. Come on. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. One, two, three, four, five, one, two, three, four, one, two, three, four, one, two, three, four, one, two, 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 whether you know about Theseus or you're revising your syllabus If you want tales with a bit of jest or you just want to hear about incest What? What? It's really interesting Welcome to Miss Welcome to Miss Tonight's episode features Matthew the Machine Hoss. <laughs> Hi, I'm Matt the Machine Hoss. And Dan the Legend Rhodes. Hi, I'm Dan. I'm pretty pretty cool. I'm a legend. Uh, tonight's episode, we talk about the Oristaya. In particular, some things that happen in it. <laughs> uh, you're a natural presenter, aren't you, Dan? Thank you, Matthew. Dan actually said before uh, this episode, uh, off air... Uh, he mentioned how much he wanted to be a hospital radio uh, DJ. But imagine you just doing that all the time. Like, and Susan on the uh, pregnancy ward. Yeah. She is losing... Uh, uh, she is yeah. uh, having a baby. I don't know. Shout out to David. I see you on life support. I see you, St- Dave. Yeah, I see you, Dave. Stick with us. <laughs> Keep on pumping that I turned button. the machine on and off and it didn't do anything. <laughs> um, and that's Karen on her way down to the morgue. See you there after yeah. breakfast. She, she's a mortician, not yeah, she's yeah, not yeah. Dead. Uh, not dead. Uh, but uh, yeah, hello, Dan. How are you? I be good. You be good. I be good. Are you good? I good. We both be good. Both be good. And uh, so, what? Um, what? What's? Uh, what's new in the world of Dan Rhodes? Um, it rained earlier for like five seconds. That's pretty fun. Dan doesn't have a very interesting life. Uh, all he does earlier today on the drive from the train station, Matt asked me. What my favourite type of weather was. Uh, well, it led to a very interesting discussion. It, what is your favourite type of weather, Dan? I said it was that period of time in the spring, summer, maybe dusk around 4 to 6pm, mm. Sky, red ah. sky, ooh, it's like 23, 24 degrees, slight breeze. Maybe it's been very hot during the day, it's now slightly cooler. It's like room temperature, but you can still be outside, shorts, shorts and t-shirts, you know, with a beer. Mm. You know, just relaxing with your friends and family. Yeah, or on your own, as Matt likes to call it. <laughs> wow. Like, that's the kind of thought I would have for myself when you said it out loud. <laughs> so it's kind of weird to be heckled by my own mind. Um, I, what was uh, your favourite time? You said when it rains, but you're indoors. But Yeah, but like when you have no intention of going outside. Okay. Whoa. Tell you what I did used to like. You know when you were a kid? Do you remember those days? No. And no, uh, I wasn't a kid either. I was actually born <laughs> aged 15. <laughs> you actually... So your mum was giving birth. You were like... I want to play video games. Yeah, I was born age 15, fully clothed, in school uniform. <laughs> All right, I've got my pack lunch. Yeah, I am, yeah, I've got my backpack. <laughs> my backpack was like the placenta. Is that oh, weird? God. That's that was it. a weird image. Um, um, hopefully you didn't have a piece of plastic stuff on yeah, you. Uh, what was I going to say? Um, <laughs> How do we get here? Oh, um, I was going to say that when I come back... My, I like the weather when you come back from school, and then the minute you get home from school, it starts to rain. Oh, yeah. I was like, oh, dodge that bullet. Usually in Yorkshire... Um, it's actually the opposite way around because when you leave school it rains and then when you get home it still rains <laughs> <laughs> you leave home in the dark get back in the dark yeah and uh, uh, so we, Dan and I have not run out of conversation because uh, 
funnily enough, because Lord Dan didn't have a lot going on in his life, I have still got plenty of Edinburgh Fringe stories, and I think this is the last time we'll do this this Edinburgh Fringe catch-up. Uh, yeah. Oh, what else happened to me today? I ripped my trousers, didn't I, playing football? Well, by, by playing football, I mean... Jumping kick. in a ditch to get a football. Well, it's not even a football, it's just a, a ball of air, isn't <laughs> a it? A ball of air. Is that not what football is? Metaphysically speaking, yes. So, uh, doesn't that, what, doesn't, that doesn't, isn't a tyre yeah, just a bit of rubble with some air in it? You well, can't just if something has to have its own definition. You can't just say everything that has it, it, full of air. My point being, it's a, as you described it, a floater. It's which a floater, of, one of those like really light, airy ball that when you kick just kind of looks like curls. The kind of ball you get on holiday. The kind of ball you get on holiday. Dan, let's 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 do some more because you, you want to talk about yourself, our friends, don't you? I was, I said what I tried to do is ask you a question about yourself, but I really was gonna. So I'll ask you another question. What's going to happen, Matt? You ask me a question, and I will somehow use one of these titles in front of me into the, the conversation. And that's your cue to then be like, oh, funny you said that, Dan, because... Yeah. So you can segue back into I'll, it. Yeah, yeah. I'll, just to clarify to the listener, I gave Dan a list of uh, topics, which we've been going through for the last two episodes, about all my Edinburgh Fringe stories. So, uh, And we've only got a couple left as well. So, uh, And we also have some, as uh, Dan liked earlier, normal life stories. So, um, Dan... Um, so I'm going to put one of these titles into this, and you you have to listen out for it, right? Okay. Okay. Cool. Yeah. So you just ask me. A I, question. I, I, I'm going to segue into like uh, asking me a question. About no, no, no. What's going to happen is you're going to ask me a question, and in answering that question, I will put one of these titles, titles in that, and then you that's your cue to stop me. But like, ah, funny you say that. Okay. Dan. Gotcha. Gotcha. And then you awesome. can. Yeah. And just so it seems you know really natural. Yeah. Really. Even though we explained it twice. <laughs> <laughs> um, so Dan, where's uh, your favourite place you've been on holiday? Uh, probably the um, probably Rome actually. Genuinely is uh, probably Rome. Um, I particularly like where I stayed near the Vatican, St Peter's Basilica. On a Wednesday, you can go uh, to St Peter's Square and you can see um, the Pope, the which is weird because when I was there, actually he hey. was he was flagellating himself. <laughs> <laughs> right, because uh, I was about to stop you after Pope, but you kept on going. Because one of the topics I wrote down was Pope flagellation, and um, basically I'm uh, I'm running my vegan comedy gig in the morning, and it starts at half ten, Dan. But you didn't mo- do a very good job of making that seem really natural. Let me do it again, and this time you act like it was just okay. off the cuff, like oh, funny you say that, Dan. It's kind of hard to follow up with natural. Like, oh, Pope flagellating himself. Um, I was actually, uh, yeah, I was quite amazed actually when I was there um, in the Vatican on the, that Wednesday. Uh, Pope um, meeting that he has in front of all of his devotees. He's actually like started doing self-flagellation. Oh, funny you mention that, Dan. Oh, really? Okay. I actually have a story about that. Oh wow! Please do tell. So in my early morning show at half ten, which is an ungodly hour for comedy, right? Yeah. It's it's unheard. Half ten in the morning. Yes, unprecedented. But what we do is have a vegan breakfast in the morning. It's really nice, fun, very chilled out. Coffee morning, nice vibe. Uh, you lost me at vegan breakfast, but continue. Oh, you love it. Ve- you love <laughs> veganism breakfast. Is weed technically vegan? It is. If then you have, well, I guess I'm a convert. <laughs> if you have almond milk, is <laughs> <laughs> that a gag of excitement? That's a gag of excitement. But um, and basically, we had. Uh, if anyone, the acts are listening. Um, uh, well, the, uh, some of my greatest friends did that show, and I really, it's early morning, so I really appreciate everyone who did it. Uh, although there was uh, some acts I've never seen before, and some of them were weird. Um, some of them uh, did some odd routines. Uh, and some of them, because most of them were used to doing routines about uh, like quite late at night, so it's quite gross and grim stuff. Uh, for example, yeah, you can't do it like post watershed stuff. Yeah, and like doing stuff really in the morning. So people like some people are dropping the sea bomb at like eleven o'clock, and that's too early. Cucumber. Yes, uh, they were literally, literally jumping, uh, dropping uh, cucumbers. Croquet. Yes, 
Ja, bara... Cunt! <laughs> I imagine someone on the way to work just like, oh, I wouldn't imagine that. Oh, God, no! I imagine if they had that in mind speaking, just like, cumbersome. Oh, this is nice. What you listen to? Mist, yeah. Cunt! <laughs> wow, Jesus Christ. But, um, uh, with, um, uh, but there, there's one act, uh, one of my favourite, uh, her name's Bella, and, uh, she's the cracking, uh, new act as well. Uh, she, uh, but she talks about, uh, ovulation to a very, uh, gruesome degree, and there was one time there's just, like, people eating eggs, she's like... Which is <laughs> <laughs> basically a chicken period. Yes, it is, yeah. Well, well observed. Thank uh, you. Well, eggs served. I see what you yeah, did there. Thank you. Yeah, oh. yeah. Five star comedian right here. Very good. Very Six good. star comedian. Very good. Um, That's a good yoke. That work? Yeah, yeah, it did. It did. It did. Let's not do chicken puns. We're, we're, no, we're, we're above that. Yeah, we're, let's not do chicken puns. Um, there was one act that literally showed her underboob to a heart, people he having their breakfast. Underboob. Yeah, and her, she, and her catchphrase oh, was weird thing to show. Her, uh, her catchphrase was "Laugh, you cunts." <laughs> <laughs> However, the, the, I think the king. Of, and this is all happening at ten thirty a.m. Yeah, and like people were kind of like kind of waking up to it as well, because uh, um, it's quite a weird time to have comedy. Uh, just to preface: these acts did well, and I, I they were very funny. But I, I'm, I'm laughing at the fact that they are doing these these kind of sordid routines at <laughs> this early in the morning as well. But the worst, not the worst, but the funniest example is a, a guy called Pope. Pope Lonigan, and uh, he's uh, he's a guy. He's a comedian, and he works with like dementia patients. He does like workshops and stuff like that. He's a really lovely guy. That's he's... really good because you can just do the same jokes over and over again, and they'll never know. That's a good <laughs> idea. <laughs> <laughs> Is that why he does it? <laughs> I'm not sure if we can have that. <laughs> Damn, that's bad. <laughs> wow. Um, but we, we can have that in. Yeah, we could just add. To mention people won't remember it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I'm very angry. <laughs> Why are we angry? <laughs> and if they do want to listen to it again, I guess <laughs> it's just gives us all downloads. Poe's uh, <laughs> <laughs> a very nice guy. Um, however, he's had like he has quite a, a a rich past in the fact that he has a lot of sexual. Did he used to be the Pope? He was not the Pope. Uh, but he has um, he has this routine about... Um, he does this routine about when he was a kid. He, he talks about him quite explicitly sexually uh, and his drug abuse and stuff like that. And he talks about... He's one of those comedians. Yeah, well, then again, he's, he's recovered. And uh-huh. he's, he's a, one of the nicest guys as well. Uh, but he, uh, he was doing this routine. But when he was uh, six years old, he accidentally stepped uh, on a... Uh, like I think it was a cockroach and it destroyed all the pregnancy sacks and he felt really sad and he was like oh no what what should I do uh, and, and the, the punchline is what he did as a six year old child is he went upstairs into a bath and p- aimly flagellated himself with a bar of soap <laughs> he did that when people even had breakfast in the morning <laughs> and I had him on so wait t- why did he put a piece of soap up his ass just because f- as a six year old he Enjoyed that. So, but then, the best segue I've ever heard, he did that routine, and it's like, oh, I also work with people in dementia. No segue whatsoever as well. I was like, what? Uh, and one time, um, this, I, had, I had Pope on twice. He's really good. Uh, by the way, if, you, if you're a comedy promoter, please book him. He's really excellent. Uh, but 
and on the second day I had him, because I had him for uh, twice in two weeks, and uh, it was actually his birthday, I didn't realise, and I went up to him, it's like, oh, um, actually, uh, one of the actors just did the underboob bit, I was like, she's actually, uh, maybe don't do the anal fantillation bit routine, and he's like, alright mate, yeah, sure, no worries, uh, and then he was on stage, he was smashing it, doing really well, and then he's like, now Matt specifically not asked me not to do this bit, but I'm going to do it anyway, <laughs> it was funny. <laughs> Uh, so that's my inner flantillation story. And so he put some part of soap up his bottom? Yeah, but really went for it. Was he like pooing bubbles for quite a few days? or? I didn't ask him about okay. that. You can ask him. Anyway, uh, do, we, do we have another time for another story? Okay, just do the same again. Ask me a question and I'll segue you uh, into it. You've got a... Have you been shopping recently? Uh, I need to go shopping for new jeans. Now I've ripped these. <laughs> yeah, you have. Yeah. Um, it's weird actually because I went to... Um, have you been to, um, have you ever been to Newmarket before? I haven't. Okay, have you been to Norwich before? Yes. Yeah, because people there marry their cousins. <laughs> have you ever been married? <laughs> Funny you should mention that, Dan. <laughs> um, during the first week of the Fringe at the Vegan Geek, right? Well, I've only done that because uh, eventually through Miss, we are going ha- to have ripped into every single county and area of the world. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, We've done Nottingham, ticked. Yeah. Norwich, just did it then, ticked. Yorkshire, pretty much every time we do a yeah. podcast, tick. Essex, very soon. Essex, very soon. And then West Midlands, we're coming for you. Yeah. Uh, actually, we also took the out of West Midlands during Airbnb gate. Uh, remember Airbnb lady? I do remember Airbnb lady. Oh, uh, like. No, in all seriousness, there's a title here on the page that says, "Married." Mid- I got married mid-show. What does that mean? So, um, basically, let me tell you this romantic story, Dan. Um, in the first week of the Fringe... Uh, during the vegan show, the, the vegan show during the first week was actually quite quiet. We didn't uh, for a couple of shows. The ten thirty a.m. one. Yeah, uh, but uh, in the first couple of shows we had like two people, but the two people that came were excellent, right? So the whole gig was really really fun. Like it, like one of them was a uh, spiritualist, so the other one was a vegan chef. I was like, like this is so much. This is a personality to fill this whole room, right? So uh, it was really good, and uh, every audience we had was excellent, but. Um, uh, on one, on the first week, on the Saturday, uh, we had about the largest number on that first week, right? And we had, um, basically, there was this guy uh, and a girl, they met on the tram on the way to the gig, and they started chatting, and they sat next to each other. I said, oh, can, uh, her name was Becky, his name was Felix, right? And with, I said, oh, that sounds like the start to a rom-com, we should, should we try and get you together? And just like a little preface as well, one of the acts hasn't turned up, so I had to fill for an extra 20 minutes, okay? So we had two acts on, um... But I was comparing, so I decided to do some material at the end as well. So I had to fill for a bit of time. And um, Becky wasn't that into Felix. However, I was like, oh, Becky, maybe maybe we should get married. And Becky is one of the nicest and most kind of accepting audience members. So she said, yeah, okay then. So uh, what I did is I... Uh, I, uh, I, we had our first date in, in that first uh, comparing bit. Then I brought on the first act, right? And then I wrote her a poem. I made her a Crayola ring, right? And uh, I, uh, I proposed to her whilst bringing on the second act, if you know what I mean? And at the, fi- at the end of it, I had uh, created like a wedding ceremony mid-show. So within the space of 60 minutes, I got married to an audience member. So, uh... That's pretty good. That's pretty. It's, it's pretty. It was a really fun show, in all fairness. Uh, although the next show we did spend a six-minute divorce, but like yeah, uh, that's yeah, fun. Yeah. An annulment. Yeah, yeah. Well, nothing was. Uh, I don't think it was legally binding. Well, that being said, I did get. Uh, I got someone from the audience to be a vicar to read out the script for us. I was like, uh, 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 like uh, yeah, it's it very funny. Uh, uh, and you can see all the pictures online if you go into Matt House Comedy. See all the pictures there. Very happy picture of me and Becky. You know? I won't do that, but I'm sure that some people will because <laughs> they got too much time on their hands. <laughs> 
Matt, shall we um, segue through a jingle and see you on the other side? Yes, do it. I'm just going to charge my phone, actually. Do you mind if I well, I'll continue? Is that right? Yeah. Whoop, That was me. I've just whapped into the second, uh, second part. Matt loves it when I whap. Don't stop whapping, Dad. Stop whapping. Sorry, Matt. Go just, blind. I'll go, <laughs> if you whap too much, you will go blind. Um, so we did uh, the Aura style last week. We did Agamemnon. What we happened did last con- week? Uh, we did Agamemnon's life. And how did he die? He died. Oh, this is important. He died... At the hands of his wife, Clytemnestra, and her new lover, Aegisthus, who, we're about to find out, is actually Agamemnon's cousin. <gasps> spoiler alert! Well, not really a spoiler, is it? No, not a spoiler. I feel like we should, probably should have mentioned that last week. We didn't, we, but now we're telling we, you. We, so, we, hey. We, yeah, oh, catch up, guys. Catch yeah. up, guys. Come on. Uh, but yeah, this, uh, the next next part is um, follows in immediately Afterwards. after that, the and libation bearers. We actually... We we are going to do both the libation two parts uh, the, the next two in the series both in the same episode aren't we? The Oristar is a trilogy. And Agamemnon, libation bearers, and then the Eumenides. Eumenides. Agamemnon obviously had quite a meaty amount. This um, it's just easier if we kind of they kind of flows through to each other, yeah. so it's much easier just to do it all on today's episode. So here we go. So Agamemnon he got murdered in the bath, didn't he, Matt? Well, uh, he was wrapped in a net, and then wrapped in a stabbed. net, and then stabbed to death by Clytemnestra and her lover. Or killed with an axe. Or Dep- killed with an axe. Doesn't matter. Either way, he's dead. In a bathroom. And Cly- Cassandra's dead as well. Yes. And it's important for this, how many children does Agamemnon still have left? Two. Orestes and Electra. Orestes and Electra. Some years after the murder of Agamemnon, Clytemnestra, who now shares both her bed and the throne of Argos with her lover, Aegisthus. Aegisthus. Has a nightmare. She has a nightmare about giving birth to a snake, which then feeds from her breast and draws blood along with milk. Mm. Perfectly normal dream that just Wait, a that, that's... just a snake suckling on a teat, <laughs> giving birth to a snake. Have you ever? Uh, well, you know that, that's like a daily occurrence for us in Yorkshire. You know, give birth to a snake and let yeah. it suck your teat. Yeah. <laughs> Concerned with the possible wrath of the gods, she orders her daughter, Electra, who is now reduced to the virtual status of a slave girl, and the chorus of slave women, the libation bearers, ah, to pour libations on Agamemnon's grave as an offering to the gods. So, just that's there's a lot to kind of catch up there. So, firstly, um, do we know why Electra is reduced to uh, slave girl status? I'm not sure why. Is it because she's scared that she will want to take revenge for her father's death? I think maybe that... Well, I think she kind of sided with her father, or maybe she tried to get Clytemnestra to not do that, but also Clytemnestra and Aegisthus are a bit kind of crazy with power and love, and they're very manic, if you know what I mean. They're, they're portrayed in, in this scene as being quite mental, if you know what I mean. So They've lost me- the plot a little bit. So Electra is kind of a slave... Base, uh, maybe it's um, a punishment, but also it's to stop her from doing stuff as well. Yeah. So, uh, so she's reduced to this state... And uh, do you know what a libation is, Dan? The libation when you, um, you like, I assume, I assumed it was like putting flowers and stuff on a tomb or something. It was a bit more like wine. You pour wine out, if you know what I mean. Okay. Li- like, it's it's like an of, offering to the dead. Yeah, but so you do it on their grave, right? Or on their tombstone. But it could be to the gods, if you know what I okay, mean. So you yeah. pour it to, out. Like, so she's worried that this, this dream she had about giving birth to a snake is the gods telling her that she's... Uh, yeah, I so mean, we're talking, this is several years after the murder, so, so it's she's been, been a while. Her... Basically, she thinks it's like obviously giving birth and to a snake because just that's uh, 
her the fruit of her loins is quite dangerous, so yeah. she needs to be wary of this. So that's oh. maybe a reason why she's reduced it to slave girl status. Yeah. The court, uh, so they've done uh, libations on Agamemnon's grave as an offering to the gods. The chorus of slave women, captives from cap and cap uh, the chorus uh, captives from old wars and loyal to Orestes and Electra are strongly opposed to Clytemnestra and Aegisthus. And they play a crucial part in examining the unfolding conspiracy. So let's kind of just talk about. So the, a lot of people don't like Clytemnestra. Yeah. Well, yes, they think she's a very she's unruly, and also if you kill someone for a throne, it's also not very good. Mm. Um, uh, two things. Uh, firstly, just this. Um, we were we were going to talk about this. Did why he's angry at Agamemnon. Why well, is that? Uh, uh, he, uh, he, oh, we should do it about how that he's angry because yeah. it's his. You, you, two, first, first thing of two. What, why is Aegisthus angry? Aegisthus is angry because he's Agamemnon's cousin and therefore is the son of the- Theestes. Yeah, Theestes. Who is the guy who Agamemnon's um, father. Oh no, Agamemnon and Menelaus killed. They yes, killed their yes, uncle. Yeah. And so he doesn't like Agamemnon because, yeah, he killed his dad. So that's the reason why he hooked up with Clytemestra. And he probably thinks he should be the royal of the throne. Yes. Because his dad was on the throne before yes. Agamemnon gotcha. and Menelaus came around. And secondly, when we refer to the chorus in ancient Greek tragedies, like in Oedipus, for example, uh, they would have a chorus at the end of every act um, to kind of basically sum up what's happened. It's basically... Um, it's like the narrator. It, yes, it is. It's 26... I think it's 26 people, 13, 13 men, 13 women, like kind of singing a certain part. Uh, part and uh, they kind of act as townspeople or... The uh, ensemble. Yes, the ensemble. Uh I, I need to dash up on my facts because that's like my year 10 G, um, GCC kind of classics. But um, yeah, the chorus presents a really uh, important roles in tragedy. So uh, this chorus is are the libation bearers, the people who are giving uh, the um, offering to the gods. And they are the captives of old walls. At her father's grave, Electra meets her recently returned brother, Orestes, who had been banished from the kingdom since his infancy by his paranoid mother and has been living in exile in the nearby kingdom of... Focus. Focus. In, in obedience to a command given to him by the god Apollo, Orestes has returned to Argos to avenge his father. So Orestes is the, younger ch- the youngest child of Agamemnon and Clytemestra because I'd read earlier that he was, um, he was very young when his dad... Yeah, um, went off to the Trojan War, and so he's been banished for quite a while, actually. Yeah, and he's like, "Oh, this, this vengeance—it's in a drought." <laughs> <laughs> Orestes identifies himself with the snake in his mother's dream, and the two siblings plan to avenge their father by killing their mother and Aegisthus, as Apollo himself has commanded them. Hmm. So I think um, we'll be mentioning this throughout, especially in the second part, uh, the latter half of this myth. Uh, it's about well, think about yeah, what's the moral thing to do here because Clytemestra murdered uh, Agamemnon which I think it is unholy yet however we see Clytemestra being pious all the way through she's doing the libation offerings on, uh, again, Agamemnon only because she's had a dream yes but e- even so she's pious if not, yeah. I mean, she's still um, looking after the gods and stuff like that so it's interesting uh, the point is who is the correct person here like is Clytemnestra morally okay? Is it okay to try and get vengeance on her? Morally, what's a good thing to do? This could scale very highly. And we know, they're, they're, we know their family's cursed. Yes, in the House of Pelops. The House of Pelops, we... yeah. Anyway. Orestes and his childhood friend Pleiades 
pretend to be ordinary travellers from Phocis, asking for hospitality at the place of Argos, at the palace of Argos. Sorry, they bring the false news that Orestes is dead and gain entrance to the palace. Ooh, so already disguised. They're disguised. So, like, I like this already because uh, if he was a young boy when he got banished, it's now been quite a few years. She wouldn't actually know his son. Her son looked like. Well, yeah. Well. Facebook, Facebook friends. Facebook, that's, yeah, true, that's yeah. true, that's true. But like, yeah, I, yeah, but then again, I think Orestes is actually quite a clever fellow, and I think he's just playing very safe because if he's like, if he lets loose that he is this guy, uh, and also you're already getting on the good side of Clytemnestra because yeah. you're proving that that prophecy isn't true. Yeah, Orestes' is old nurse, Cilicia, Cilicia, is dispatched to fetch Aegisthus to see the visitors and the chorus persuades her to ensure that he comes alone so that Orestes easily overpowers and kills him wow that's immediate immediate straight in the straight in the trout bang <laughs> he's dead he's been trouted <laughs> so his second cousin I guess is a good anyway his mother's lover mother's lover has opened the door been like what do you want oh god I'm having sex with Clytemastra what do you want that's oh, my mum. Yeah, so immediately one's down. Yeah. I thought, to be honest, I thought this was way more poetic because this is very, very straightforward, isn't it? Um, so, Although his colour is now blown, yeah. Orestes, in haste, I guess, seizes his mother, Clytemnestra, and threatens to kill her. She warns Orestes that if he kills her, he will be cursed, but Orestes is not swayed and, persuaded to the task by Apollo and Pleiades, Despite his misgivings, he kills her. So he's killed Clytemnestra, his mother. his own mother. Um, okay, so from my recollection, now, obviously in the play it's far more grandiose and this obviously takes three hours. But uh, uh, it, it's interesting because I think with Orestes, he, uh, this is very uh, a watered-down plot here. But my point is that I think uh, Electra also tried to help Orestes as well because uh, the part of the play is about Orestes being like in disguise trying to get in touch with Electra. Well, Electra obviously they did say that the two of them helped each other. Yeah. the siblings have and, helped uh, each other. I think Electra helps him kind of get infiltrate the palace, but ultimately once he, he's in the palace, he doesn't take long. Yeah, he he. But you know what? I wish more Greek heroes were like Orestes because you know Jason. Uh, he was like, oh, I want to overtake the throne. He's like, well. Can you go on a task for like twenty years? Like okay then, and then he doesn't even get the throne. Yeah, yeah. I mean, just like Orestes, like yeah, you're dead. Fuck off. Uh, Yeah, I've come here for one job, ten minutes. Bish bash bosh. Thank you very much. He's also quite good that other Greek heroes we've listened to in other myths would have um, been persuaded by her being like, "You'll be cursed." He's just like, "I've heard this BS before." (laughs) Yeah, I'm a snake, bitch. Yeah. I know it's his mother, but I don't think there's a particularly maternal thing going on there. If he has been banished from a young age on an yeah. island, he's probably not got the best feelings. Yeah, he hasn't her. been raised by her, has he? No, I yeah, uh, and she seems quite at this point quite manic anyway. So, and yeah. Uh, yeah, so is it okay that he murdered his mum? What do you think then? I I think it was okay in the sense that if he's trying to rescue Electra from her being a slave. Or anything like that, and maybe he knows that the kingdom's going down. But to just kill her because to avenge to avenge is a bit weird. Because I mean, he was on an island; he wasn't hurt. I mean, it's not, there's no immediate danger to him. He was long gone. But I think he wanted, as an honour bound thing, he wanted to help his because his, his father family was killed in cold blood. Yeah. Uh, where, despite how immoral his father was, I was going to say, his dad wasn't exactly Agamemnon wasn't exactly the nicest guy did, in the world, and he did kill Iphigenia as well. Yeah. So. 
this is what I mean. It's all a tangled up mess of who is the morally correct. Yes. He proclaims that justice has been served and tries to justify his actions. But then... The Urinis, the Furies appear, visible only to Orestes, and curse him for killing his mother, for them a crime far more significant than Clytemestra's own crime in killing her husband. So, the Furies... Yes, who are the Furies? The Erinies. Erinies. The Erinies. Also known as the Eumenides. Okay, so the Furies are... Um, they come up a bit in mythology. Yes. They are winged... Oh, I've got a description here. They are winged spirits with their hair entwined with snakes. They hold whips or torches in their hands. They tortured victims and sent them mad. They lived in Erebus at the darkest pit of the underworld. Yeah. So they're from Mount Erebus in the underworld. And they are the... Judge, jury, and executioner of the underworld. They, they are, they're like a, like a court almost, aren't they? They well, kind of. Um, they decide who's good and who's bad. Yes, in, in a very layman sense. But they, they also they're used as to kind of, uh, they're kind of manifestation of guilt, I guess, because yeah. like uh, they are used as to, to kind of play people's thoughts, and they, uh, they kind of. Hu- they throw guilt on people, they whip them, and uh, they mentally kind of savage them. If you know it know. says their essential function is to avenge crime, particularly offences against the family. Yeah. So, i.e. these bad boys. There's three of them, by the way. There's three furies. Yes. Like, it's almost like the three witches of Macbeth, aren't they? It's like, kind. Yeah, well, I can kind of see the iterations there. Yeah. I'm thinking like the three weird women, like... <laughs> <laughs> like what, sorry? <laughs> We are the Furies! Yeah. That's obviously how they sound. Orestes is being a naughty boy. Orestes is being a naughty boy. Yeah. Anyway, so they arrive and they're only visible to him and they curse him for killing his mother. So they, can I just say, the Furies are already saying that it is worse for him to have killed his mother than her, his mother killing his dad. That seems like fairy to me. It seems a bit... I don't know. I'm... I'm I'm kind of pro Orestes here. Yeah. Anyway, seized with madness over his deeds and haunted and pursued by the Furies, Orestes flees Argos. And is that the end of the libation barrier? That's the end of that that part. So, and the next part is about kind of dealing with all those. What of, just happened? Yeah, exactly. Essentially, um, um, Dan, with that impression of the Furies, can you just do it again for us? Ah! Do you reckon they know um, Brian the Eagle? Probably, yeah. <laughs> yeah. How's it going? He's <laughs> a parrot now, apparently. Well they, well, they all live in the underworld, don't they? Yeah. So they are friends. Exactly they're colleagues. So they're, they're, like, they're, they're talking at the same time, like, Bob, how's it going? Morning. Uh, um, what are you going to be doing today, Furies? Probably going to Aristides. Oh, well, I'm going to go to Prometheus. You always go to Prometheus. It's not my fault, is it, mate? I have to do this every single day. You can have fun. You get to go to different places. I eat his liver every goddamn day. I'm you get to fly around I'm Greece. vegetarian. Yeah. <laughs> you get to fly around the world, picking on people that murder their family. It's a yeah. fun job. Get to have work with friends. Ooh, well, you get to work with uh, Derek the Woodpecker. Derek can fuck off. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's a nice little reference. If people listen to this in the wrong order... Well, even if you listen to the right order, it's still very niche. It's very niche, yeah. <laughs> so, what is going to happen to Orestes? Where is he, what's he going to do? Well, uh, let's find out, Dan. <clears throat> still tormented by the Erinys after killing his mother, Orestes finds temporary refuge at the new temple of Apollo in Delphi. As this play begins, Pythia, 
Apollo's priestess enters the temple and is shocked by a scene of horror and wonder when she finds the exhausted Orestes in a suppliant's chair, surrounded by sleeping furies. So, it's so an, she can see them too. Yeah, which is an odd thing. Uh, she knows it's real as well. I say, the furies are obviously, um, I say, it's, it's a metaphor, isn't yeah. it? Although Apollo cannot protect him from the Erinys, he has managed to at least delay them with a sleeping spell so that Orestes can continue on to Athens under the protection of Hermes. Now, can I just make a, an observation which my uh, my classic teacher made up? Um, so, do you know... Um, so, in the first... Uh, Agamemnon, uh, it's a kind of straightforward tragedy. Uh, human brutality. Uh, libation bearers. Again, human tragedy. Murder, murder, murder. And this one, very fantastical. Lots of monsters, lots of things happening. Yes. Right? So, in this trilogy, one, two, three, it's a lot like Godfather, if you know what I mean. Uh, it's like uh, the first one's quite straightforward, the second one straightforward, third one's weird, if you know what I mean. Yeah. So, it's like, I think that's a good way to kind of see it. It feels like the madness is yeah. like taking its toll on the family. Well, it's more to do with like, it has fantasy elements where it's kind of not quite. Yeah, it's, uh, as, it's, it's unprecedented, if yes. you know what I mean. But then again, I think it also shows a different depth to it it's not just yeah, in this portion of the trilogy we see more than just murder it's we more, see more about like the consequences and yeah yeah and uh, like it's a pathotic ending as well however Clytemnestra's ghost rouses the sleeping Erinys and urges them to continue hunting Orestes imagine you have a mom like who was so bitter towards you just be like and a ghost like, comes out yeah oh imagine that like, so she's goading the Furies to continue yeah yeah the Erinys track down Orestes by following the scent of his slain mother's blood through the forest and then through the streets of Athens. When they see him, they can even see rivulets of blood soaking the earth beneath his footsteps. But hasn't he been gone for a while? How is he still wet from her blood? Yeah, that's true. I'm assuming this has literally happened like following on straight from him running out of the temple. But he didn't murder in a tem- temple. No, but he's run to the temple covered in her blood from murdering her. But I don't think... So. I think he's got a he flees Argos, right? That's and he true. goes to Delphi. Yeah, he must have been... It's probably a dried a little bit. Yeah, but it's not... like Even if he was soaked in her blood, the boat to Delphi, that's going to... It's gonna, dried, yeah. yeah that, there's no way that... like Even if you were on an Aegean boat, that's going to be... That, that's, you're still going to be waiting two weeks. <laughs> yeah, that's true. But maybe they can maybe they can still smell the blood, the dried blood on him. Or maybe it's just, again, a metaphor, a metaphor for him. Yeah. Uh, for him. It, His it, luggage. A bl- yeah, emotional luggage. Finally, surrounded by the threatening Furies, Orestes begs Athena for help. The goddess of justice intervenes and brings in a jury of 12 Athenians to judge Orestes. So this is a, a, court, like a, a, a court process, you know, yes. it's, a, it's a genuine, uh, again, uh, this is going to be important. Athena herself presides over the trial and instructing her citizens to watch and learn how a trial should be conducted. Apollo speaks on behalf of Orestes. He's like the defence lawyer. Yeah. He's like David Rudolph. Respect. Um, follows me on Twitter. Um, <laughs> you know what going. Apollo speaks on behalf of Orestes, while the Erinys act as advocates for the dead Clytemnestra. So it's literally like a prosecution case. You know? Yeah, it's like, they're literally like, we're inventing the court system here. We're inventing the judicial system. Can we have like a quick mock trial um, as for Orestes? Okay, so go on. Do you want to be prosecution or defence? I'll be... I'll be prosecution. Okay, I'll be defence. Okay. And pro Orestes. So, uh, do you want to... Uh, I'll start. Uh, Your Honour, welcome to the jury. Uh, 
I am Apollo, and um, I, uh, my, my client, Orestes, he, um, he was doing nothing wrong. He was clearly avenging uh, his, uh, his father, who was killed in cold blood, and on top of that, protecting his sister, Electra. Uh, he shouldn't be judged harshly for this. If, if anything, he should be crowned king of, uh, of uh, uh, the place, uh, Argos? Uh, he should be king of this place because he no- he's a fine judge of character. He's strong, and also on top of that, he uh, he, he can deal with Erinys as well. So I think uh, he's he deserves. Uh, and Clytemnestra was manic, so she needed to be put down. He was doing the safe thing. So I rest my case. And also, where's where's the proof? No proof. The proof is all over his shirt! He's covered in the fucking blood! There was multiple witnesses at the palace! He was even heard screaming, I'm Orestes! Don't follow me, bitches! Well, that was, uh, yeah, in all fairness, a CCTV there. <laughs> yeah, that was regrettable. Um, however, my client apologised for that, um, but, you know, you know, Oh, good for him! Sounds, uh, sounds. I'm so. I tried to do like a, a nice actual play. You were like, nom, 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 nom. And the Furies, yeah, the Furies were his prosecution. They're going to be like that, aren't they? But I'm Apollo, I'm the god of light, so that's pretty cool. Um, so, who do you think won that battle? Um, why don't you email in at misspodcast at gmail.com and who would you uh, vote for? Resties? Or arrested? <laughs> Come on, mate, that was good. That was good. Oh, God, I need to be paid for this. <laughs> so, when the trial votes are counted, the voting is equal, but Athena persuades Erinys to accept their own decision in favour of Orestes as a casting vote. What? Uh, hey, you know that prosecution case you made? Can you, can you um, go against yourself? Uh, but, you know, if it's a, it's a hung jury, it might be. a hung jury. Vindicated, Orestes thanks Athena and the people of Athens and leaves to go home to Argos, a free man and a rightful king. Athena then proclaims the furious Erinys, renaming them the Menides, or the Kindly Ones, and ruling that they will now be honoured by the citizens of Athens. Athena also declares that henceforth, hung juries also um, should always result in the defendant being acquitted, as mercy should always take precedence over harshness. Well, well... So this is a myth. She watched the staircase recently. That's why. That's incredible. So this myth actually is very interesting, and also just serves to explain why they have a judicial system. Yes, exactly. Basically, uh, and it's uh, again, it's, it's one. What happened before they had? Yeah, and this. it explains the, uh, the reason why they have it, and why it's important to have that democracy as well. So he becomes king. The family name is restored. It's, it's a bit weird though. Imagine being convicted and then now he's king. Well, I guess that's happened to. Quite, quite a lot of people. Yeah. Does this end the curse, or is the curse still a thing upon his house? Um, no, I think it's still a thing. But I think he's been fairly tried. But I think is it really a fair trial if Athena literally bribes them and then That's they get true. angry and then she bribes them to become the kindly ones? So is that really a good message? Not really. I was thinking that. It shows what you can do if you bribe someone. Hmm. Well, that's sad. However, um, why don't we rank this mother? All right, Dan. Um, did you enjoy the uh, the Aristide? I did. I did. It's sad though because I feel like this also concludes all of the Trojan stuff as well. Like, off, you know, we're kind of done with the family. Yeah. Well. Yeah. I guess. Um, is there more Trojan stuff? These characters will appear. 
Yeah, so I think Lee, these characters will appear in the future, I think. Um, especially Menelaus. Uh, but, um, yeah, most of the Trojan stuff is done now, really. Uh, well, the Iliad stuff is done. There is more with Odysseus, but we'll get to that in the future. That's a project and a half, so we'll, we'll get to that eventually. But, um, yeah, uh, at the meantime, um, I hope you enjoyed this this series, but I, I, I certainly have. Um, so, Daniel, uh, we were, we judge this from four categories, life skills, morals, creativity, and WTF. So, how are we going to rank these out of ten? Life skills. Life skills. So, practical things we learned. Practical things we learned. Learn how to have a jury. Learn how to have a jury. Yeah. Learn, learn how court, the judicial system works. Learn about defence and prosecution. Learn how to uh, disguise yourself. Yes. Learn how to kill your mum. Learn how to lover. do libations. Yes. We'll learn what choruses. What choruses. Uh, yeah, we learn how to stab people. We learn that um, don't reduce. Well, no, that's. Some... We learn how to suckle a snake. <laughs> well, I already knew that, but. Uh, <laughs> um, um, we're not a lot. Mer- uh, we'll learn how to haunt someone. Learn how to haunt someone. Learn how to uh, uh, get wait- rid of the furies. Well, yeah, how to wake them, them up to as sleep. well. I think that. Oh, how to run through the streets or track someone. Track someone's blood. Yeah. Not that much else. No. Probably a four or five, to be honest. I'm tempted five, because there's a lot of murder. But, what do you reckon? Yeah, let's do five. It's down the middle, isn't it? Average. Bang average, five. But is it? Is it a four? Let's give it a benefit of doubt. Go on, okay, give it cool. a five. Uh, morals. So, I think quite big on morals here. Um, basically, don't kill your mum. Don't reduce your daughter to a slave girl. Uh, don't uh, hang out with uh, a gistless, uh, uh, cousin lover. Uh... I uh, don't, don't, if someone's obviously in disguise, uh, oh, yeah, you know, just triple check the, the right person, if you know what I mean. Uh, I guess, um, be, it's about more morality here, it's about uh, doing the right thing. Is it okay to kill uh, someone if they've killed someone against you? Is yeah. it okay to say, take an eye for an eye? And in this case, I suppose it is, but uh, I, I think also it's a bit messy in terms of the ending, in terms of the message, you know what I mean? Yeah. yeah. But also, I think it's also, it's more than just Orestes, it doesn't end with Orestes being killed. It's not a chain. They stop the, the chain of murder. They also make it into uh, a genuine thing. A good thing has come out of it, if you know yeah. what I mean. It's also more already good in terms of the fact that like, the whole hung jury stuff, like yeah. how you get benefit of the Mercy, doubt. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but again, not too much else. What do you think? Maybe a five. I'll give it a five, yeah. yeah. It's quite an average one. Creativity? It's quite creative. Again, I like the Godfather aspect of it. I yeah. like uh, um, murder, 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 and then thoughtfulness as well. Well, he's being disguised. That's pretty creative. Yeah. The Furies are pretty creative. Uh, Her ghost coming back is pretty creative. Uh, Apollo being at the court is quite creative. Athena. Um, Electra being a slave girl is quite creative. The fact that she renamed it Humanities. Humanities, yeah. I'm, I'm going to say seven. Oh, six. 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 Six, 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 six. WTF. Mm, murdering mum, uh, slave girl, um, the Furies. I guess the fact they have to have a court case is There's weird. nothing particularly messed up there. Blood in the The streets. only weird thing was the fact that the snake's settling with boobs. Yeah, yeah. And also the fact that there's blood dropping off him even though she's been dead for you. Yeah, that's a bit messed up. But not weird. It's, I don't think it's... I think it's below average here. Yeah. Maybe a three or four. I, I think a three or four. Do we get a four benefit of the doubt? 
I think we already gave it a lot of benefit to the doubt. Uh, let's really think about this here, because I think compared to other things, um, it's probably a three, isn't it? I think it's not crazy, is no, it? And I think the fact a three. if it ends in a cult case, it's not like WTF. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, I think a three. Three. I'm putting down a three. Wow, this has not been a big scorer. Uh, so five for life skills, five for morals, six for creativity, and three for WTF. Nineteen, Matt. Nineteen. It's fine. It's all right. It's the lowest we've had in a while, actually. Yeah. Well, Daniel, what a lovely end to the Troy series and the Oristana. Thank you uh, for being my good little partner during it. Thank you, Matt. I look forward to the next myth. What is the next myth, Dan? Got to decide, haven't we, Matt? Yeah, I have no idea. Right, we've lost now. <laughs> hey, if you have any suggestions of what we should do, why don't you go into your little uh, computer, uh, open up your mail account, stick in mythpodcast at gmail.com and send us an email. Uh, or tweet us at mythpodcast. Or go into the Facebook page, which no one really does, and give us a like on there. And also, I've got a lot of gigs happening at the moment up and down the country. I do a lot of uh, festivals and lots of uh, vegan shows as well. So why don't you come along and see me there as well? Because Dan will probably be there. What website should they use if they want to find out when your tours are? Matt Hoss Comedy and go into the gigs bit. Or if you're interested in vegan shows, just go straight there. I do a lot of festivals, so do check me out. And uh, yeah, also, when... When you've done all that, when you've bought tickets for every single one of my shows, even if you don't turn up, that's fine, um, why don't you go into iTunes and give us... One to five stars. Nope. Two to five stars. No. Three stars. No. Four stars. No. Give me a clue. It's not six stars. Seven stars. Give us seven stars on, on on iTunes, please. If not, five will do. That's five will do. Yeah, five. fine. Yeah, but put... Just to clarify, don't give us uh, anything less than five stars. Give us five stars, because if you like it at this point and you haven't given us five stars, you know, we can give you 37 hours of entertainment for free. So why don't you give us a five-star review? That's all that the least you can do. So, Dan, any parting messages? I would like to say thank you. Dan, any, any animal facts you want to drop, drop Give me an animal, I'll tell you a fact. Uh, baboons. <sighs> baboons. What is the what is the what is baboons. the what is the wingspan of a baboon? <laughs> baboons. This isn't the most electric. End. No, um, I wanted to tell you what um, I was. My only fact is what um, what uh, isn't it called a troop of baboons? Is what you call a group of baboons? Ah, a troop. I think. I think you call them a troop of baboons. Yeah, you do, don't you? Yeah. The more I say it, the more I think that's true. A troop. <laughs> This is how fake news starts. Uh, yeah, it is. Uh, Dan, here's the truth. Why, why do people listen to this podcast? And, and male baboons have a big, colourful bottom. <laughs> like, it's always called form when you're doing with it, Dan. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, uh, thank you so much for being uh, uh, a legend. See you on the other side. Bye. Bye. Myths. Myths.